With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello one and all and welcome to the 42nd episode of Line of Vienna podcast. Uh, I'm back again with the ill behaviour following on from the Christmas break and a, a period of intense, intense man flu that I've gainfully recovered from and I was a real soldier all the way. I'm joined by Johnny, I'm joined by Liam and I'm joined by Rob. Good evening everyone. Johnny, how are you? Very well, thanks mate. How are you? Good, good. Very happy. Very well. Very well. Uh, Liam, yourself, Welcome. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm very good. It was a nice Christmas and New Year. Um, and thankfully, I'm back at work now. Yeah, I didn't ask any of that, but thanks for telling us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, Rob, how are you doing, TechWiz? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, recovering from a few TechWiz problems, but yeah, we're all good. Well, it wouldn't be the podcast if it wasn't TechWiz problems in the way. Right, what we're going to do uh, is we're going to immediately head off for a little segment that we're going to insert that we recorded earlier on with a rep from the Supporters Trust. His name's Ian. Very interesting conversation. It's about 15, 20 minutes or so. Uh, so we'll ask Daniel or Rob to insert that into the podcast. We'll take a little break now and we'll dive straight in to talk about Eastley and the FA Cup. So Rob, you hit the button. Listeners, you stay there. We'll be back in two ticks. Okay, everybody, welcome back to uh, to the Love Pod. We're here tonight. To, I'm still Chris. Uh, I'm special guest uh, is Ian Bridge. Uh, Ian is one of the supporters who helped set up the Supporters Trust, which came into its own last week officially after the vote at the Reebok. Um, Ian, welcome to the podcast. It's nice to have you on. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. But nice to have you here. Right, what we'll do is we'll dive straight into the the purpose of this. We've, we've put a few tweets out today trying to get you uh, get fans to come up with questions issues maybe that they've got surrounding the supporters trust and hopefully you can maybe clarify a few issues and give people a bit of peace of mind and maybe a bit of clarity as to where to where we might end up being and um, so yep. let's dive let's dive straight in there's about half a dozen or so to go through we'll just uh, take our time with each right yep. so where uh, with the supporters trust having received its mandate on the uh, middle of last week at the, the historic meeting at the Reebok, which went down like an absolute storm um the expressive interest forms uh, went out, which basically give people the chance to get involved, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Ian. Um, what kind of um, checks and, and tasks, or, or what are you looking for from the people that have completed those forms, and how might that affect the, the trust going forward? Well, the, there's various levels, as I'm sure you're aware, Chris, that people can help out. And the, the very basic level, and this is for people who didn't feel that they could fill out a form and, and offer the services, the very basic one, the way everybody can help out is as and when we've got the membership uh, procedure registration underway is to be, become a member. So don't I don't want anybody thinking because they've not been allocated a title or approached by anybody that it's a dead duck. They're going, every, every supporter that registers 
as a, an equal say in the running of this trust as of when things get up and running properly. So that's the very basic level of involvement, but it's there for everybody. Now, as I'm sure you'll realise, there's a, and I, certainly I'm finding this out at the moment, there's a tremendous amount of work involved in, in moving something forward like this and getting it off and running. We've obviously got to consider timescales as well and with the situation at the club we want to get a trust up and running as quickly as possible. So on that basis we're working closely with Supporters Direct. The expression of interest forms went out there really um, just to let people put forward Firstly, what they can do, what skills they have, and, and obviously to run a, a, a trust like this, there's going to be a, a wide range of skills needed. And secondly, for people to say what sort of time and commitment they can, they can put towards this. So th those are the, that's the reason for the expression of interest for Okay. Them. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, um, obviously you mentioned then about when membership is set up and registration, etc., is there any idea at this early stage as to what form that may take? Is it going to be a, a you know, an annual membership with a with a fee involved? Is it going to be an annual membership with no fee involved? Is it are you able to say anything about that, or is it maybe a little too soon? Well, again, this is something that we're in in regular contact with supporters direct. We've another meeting with them on Tuesday, and hopefully on Tuesday, what we'll be doing is getting the uh, all the registration documents completed so that the trust can become a legal entity. And as I say, moving, moving on from that, the registration, I will be talking with supporters direct with the uh, with a view to fixing some sort of subscription level. It won't be very much, obviously, to, to move things on. We've got to get this off and running and make it available to everybody. But to move forward, we do need some to generate some sort of fees because there will be things that, uh, that there's a lot of people volunteering services on a on a you know on a, a volunteer basis free. But there will be things that we're going to need to pay for. So from okay. that point of view, we'll have to we'll have to generate some sort of fee, and I would imagine an annual an annual uh, fee. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. I did speak to a friend who, who was a Portsmouth supporter, someone at work, and they were saying that they. I think they pay something. When it was first in its inception, it was about six or seven pound annual fee. You know, it wasn't a great deal. Um, do you suspect it might be around that sort of mark? Or again, again am I jumping the gun a little bit as to, as to putting numbers on it? Well, we don't, we, we don't know, but I think if, if people start thinking about a tenner, I would imagine it's going to be there or thereabouts. Okay. I, I can't see it being much more than that. So we'll, we'll see. But we'll, as soon as we've got any handle on that, we'll we'll be making people aware of what it is. Fantastic. I do believe there's a um, the, the, revamp, the revamp website isn't too far off uh, being complete. Is that right? Again, that's being worked on as we speak. I think that should be up and running over the next day or so. Uh, just keep your eyes open. But again, we'll stick something on Twitter as soon as that's available. Um, and again, with the website, that's going to be one of the, uh, the, the major uh, modes of, of registering for, for okay. membership. So that's super. Okay, fantastic, Ian. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, yep, brilliant. Uh, the second question that came in from one of the readers was, uh, could a hostile takeover take place if Wanderers were to go into administration? I presume he means from a, from a supporters, uh, supporters' trust perspective. Now, from my own perspective, um, having seen the video of, of the meeting the other night, it, it's maybe a little bit too soon to start thinking about that, but 
the long and short term of the, the aims of the trust was the next question. So maybe I'll combine the two, um, and maybe you could perhaps go into uh, into as much detail as you're able to about either of those points um, regarding the possible takeover and, and the short and long term aims of the trust. Well, administration is the word that's on most people's lips because we haven't got crystal ball. We don't know what's no. going to happen. There, are, if you follow social media, there's, there's things going on today. We're led to believe there's meetings being held, etc., etc. There's obviously a pressing need to get some finances in place in the club as to avoid administration. So, from that point of view, um, we'll have to wait and see. Now, as far as administration, we take administration, if we take that situation. One of the changes, and again, this is something that we're, we're learning or we've learned from dealing with supporters direct. If a club now goes into administration, and this is coming to force this season, if a club goes into administration, the Football League rules have been amended to, and it means that the administrator, the, the appointed administrator, yeah. has 21 days from his date of appointment to actually speak with the, with the supporters' trust. Okay. So again, you can see the the agency getting registered and being invested to be able to move if that becomes the case. We don't know. We don't know whether that will become the case or not. If it's not the case and there's a new owner in place, we are in position then to speak with that new owner, whoever it may be. So the the situation is, as you can understand, very fluid at the minute, and um, we'll just have to be ready and willing to speak to whoever and whenever things things occur. So I'm sorry I can't be more specific than that. that, that no, that's that fine. Probably answers your short, that's probably answered the short-term question. The the medium-term, once this uh, this current situation is moved on, I think the, the medium-term aim, uh, or the next stage, is to ensure that we have a supporters' trust with as many members as we can we can generate, and it will have an elected uh, board and committee to run it. There will be uh, a full opportunity afforded to all members to vote in, and there will be a, a fully democratic procedure undertaken to to construct that uh, the, the the permanent um, committee and board of the trust. So. Again, depending upon what can what situation the club is in, and with with owners etc etc, and what funds are available, and and that's another thing that the trust will obviously be considering at at, at a stage. Um, that's the, that's the situation. But to get the trust there and in place, and it's been said on many occasions, if a trust had been in place and for yeah. You know, previously some years ago, we would have been in a different position now. So, but we want to be make sure that we're we're ready and, and able to react to any any developments. Okay, I mean, how how many responses have you received so far after following on from the uh, from the event at the Reebok? I think the last count, it's over. We've exceeded three hundred at the minute. Wow, um, fantastic! So, definitely people there want to help, aren't they? Oh, I, I think it was. I think you'll agree that, that Wednesday evening was a very, very emotional occasion. To be honest with you, you know, to see that number of fans 
and unanimously voting to to have one voice, uh, you you know, a unified voice. It just shows what passion there is about the club. So yeah, it's been a tremendous response, and in itself, you know, it's taken too well to get through. And you know, we are looking through, we are looking through things, which and again, this is all being done under the direction of supporters direct. So. You know, there's no um, there's no limit on numbers. If anybody still wants to send, it's not closed. If anybody wants to still register their interest, they're more than willing. You know, they're more than uh, welcome to do. No problem with that. That's fantastic. We want something as inclusive as possible. I mean, that was that that leads on to my next question. Um, my next question was regarding the makeup of the of the of the trust. Obviously, you said it's going to be a democratic process with elect people that are elected on there, and obviously that puts the power back in the supporters' hands, something which we've not had uh, for some time now. Are you able to explain maybe to people who are perhaps a little bit on the sceptical side about the, um, the the makeup that may take? I mean, it's democratic, so obviously there's no control over the, over who gets elected. Can anybody put themselves forward for, uh, for a particular role, an elected role? Of course you can. Anybody. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Fantastic. The, the actual uh, procedure of, of um, I'm sure they'll, this is again is something that we'll go through, it'll all be in the rules and constitution of the trust uh, as this is set up and we'll be following the, um, the supporters direct model constitution so there's no tinkering with anything like that, this is the, the, the one that formed the basis of the, certainly the Pompey Trust and all the others that supporters direct have been involved in. So, you know, that will be, be on, a, on a standard basis. There's, there's nothing, you know, untoward with that. And as far as the actual rules and regulations governing elections, that will all be clearly set out and, and it will be done on a, in, in accordance with, with uh, that sort of format. Fantastic. OK. Uh, right, well, just to, uh, just to bring this to a, to a sort of close, we'll talk a little bit further about other matters, but some on the, on the questions. Should the club go into administration or, or even forbid, something worse? Um, where would that leave supporters' trust? The supporters' trust, I should say. Well, if the club goes into into administration, I think we, we just chatted earlier that um, once the administrator is appointed, they uh, they have to speak. They're duty bound under the football league regulations now to speak to um, the supporters' trust within twenty one days of the administrator's appointment. So. Administration that would leave the the trust in that position of being uh, approached by the administrator. Okay. How, how any negotiations and discussions will go from there on in uh, is is totally dependent upon a variety of uh, circumstances. So again, it's not a crystal ball time. We'll just have to see. But as and when things like this develop and we have a membership up and running, the members will obviously be be. Um, be consulted in, in some of these matters. Fantastic. So the old, uh, the sort of one member, one vote uh, ratio to be upheld as well? Of course, of course. Of and course. are we going to be, look, obviously the ones who have got an international fan base, so I mean, it's open to all, I guess. Yeah, anybody, anybody in the world, if you're in the outback in, in Oz or you, you're sunning yourself in California, and this is one of the things that we want to do, we want to make it worldwide. It's not just a parochial thing; it wants to spread. It wants to spread across the globe. Um, if we can, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure from from our, our Japanese connections of a few years ago, there's probably still some people out in the in the Far East that are uh, 
that are still follow Bolton Wanderers. Obviously, they don't get the exposure. We don't get the exposure now that we used to in the Premiership. But uh, I'm sure there are still some out there who are who are affiliated. Fantastic. Yeah, deserve a voice. That's great. That's brilliant. Everyone, everyone deserves a say in the club. It's, it's, it's no one person's club. So that, that's brilliant, Ian. Okay, fantastic. Well, that brings to an end the uh, the questions that have been sent in. Thank you everybody for doing that. I did make a note of your names, but uh, then I pressed uh, close document and I didn't save it. So my fault. If you feel bad, my fault. Ian, just while keeping another couple of minutes before we let you go, um, what did you think of the Eastley game yesterday? Uh, typical cup tie. Um, people have made all sorts of comments about the state of the pitch. I'm just so glad that the match went ahead because uh, how many times you hear of, of people travelling great distances like that only for to be totally disregarded in, in in calling games off. But having said that, I mean I've been watching football quite a long time now, and it, it sounds very sort of old-fashioned to say it, but if you go back to the 60s and the 70s, that pitch wasn't that bad. <laughs> It was yeah, bad. It was bad. I, I, no, it's, it's unacceptable in current current standards. I appreciate that, but I've seen football played in conditions worse than that. Anybody remembers uh, Everton on a Boxing Day when it started snowing? About uh, what time would it be? It was about twelve o'clock, noon, and three o'clock kickoff, and the, the match was called off at half time. <laughs> there was about four inches snow on the pitch. So, but no, there's there's all sorts of conditions. But as a game itself, uh, all I can say about it is that we're in the hat tomorrow night. Let's leave it at that. Eh? Yeah, that'll do for me. And and finally, uh, what are your personal thoughts? Obviously, take your supporters' trust hat off. Um, Neil Lennon's obviously in, he's still in post. Maybe because there's nobody else. Maybe because there's nobody at the club to sack him. Um, what's your overall view of the job that he's done? Do you think he's got he's done his best in trying circumstances, or do you think he's he's managed to be in the job for for a good three or four months longer than he should have done, given the given the struggles? I was asked this a similar question when I was on Radio Manchester on Monday, and Jimmy Wag said that he gave me the option to say of not answering the question. Uh, the question was, did I think Neil Leonard would still be in the job in twelve months' time? And I thought about it for a half a second and I said, <laughs> no, I didn't think he'd be in the job in 12 months' time. And I didn't say whether I wanted him in the job in 12 months' time or not. Um, that's my opinion and I'm sticking with it. But there's going to be an awful lot of water passing under the bridge. Going back to your, your question, uh, has he done a good job? I think you just need to look at the league table. Um, now... There are so many circumstances that have altered this situation and his situation. And what he was promised when he came in, we don't know. We weren't party to that discussion. No, no, no. Um, so, you know, the club's, <laughs> the club's in, a, in a poor position on the field. As we all know about off the field, but on the field, it, it, it's in a poor position at the moment. You really want to want into that, Chris. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. I think we all share similar views, Ian. That's brilliant. Well, well, we'll leave it, leave it at that. Thank you very much for coming on. You're most welcome to come back any time you like. And, and good luck with everything. Thank you for doing the Lord's work, Ian. It's been very nice talking to you. Can I, can I just say, before we finish, a big thank you again to all the fans that, have, that came on Wednesday night, that followed it, the, the, literally many thousands on the, uh, 
on various media platforms and we're doing this to to give every every one of those fans a voice uh, no you can't you, you can't say that Ian you can't say that thanks <laughs> <laughs> fantastic okay so we'll, we'll leave it we'll, we'll leave it there for this short segment thanks to Ian um, just everyone make sure you're following the BWFC ST Twitter account and on Facebook and just keep an eye out on the website for the announcements how you can get involved how you can help Wanderers right we'll leave it there we'll have a short break and we'll be back just after these words. Okay, very interesting chat there. I think you'll agree. Liam, what did you make of it? Yeah, very interesting. (laughs) 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 I was absolutely riveted. I'm I'm on pin stuff. I can't believe what I've been hearing there. It's unbelievable. Sensational or what, eh? For those that may not understand, and these lads haven't heard that conversation, it was just myself, Rob and Ian discussing it earlier on. Um, but Johnny, he called your mum a slag, mate. Um, let's not go any further. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've told her she, she needs to stay in at weekends. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about let's talk about football. One just had a pretty pathetic one-all draw yesterday with the uh, non-league Eastley, who, to the credit, uh, performed manfully and probably should have taken the victory against our lads. Um, Rob, straight away. What, what, were your, what was your response? Did you, did you go to the game? Did you see the highlights? Uh, just give us, your, give us your thoughts, pal. I wasn't there. Um, I watched the first half on a very dodgy stream. Um, and I've seen the highlights today. But um, it was pretty dire. Pretty, pretty dire. Um, but I think we all expected it, really, didn't we? I mean, I was going to have a bet on Eastleigh before the match and realised that, looking at the odds, they were lower. The, the odds on them winning were shorter than... Norwich to beat City and someone else to beat someone else in the Premier League and it was just you just knew it was going to happen that we were going to play really crap and not be up for it and that's pretty much what happened we weren't up for it and we should have lost we should have been 3 or 4 nil down um, and fair play to Eastley they played really well um, it was a crap pitch but I don't think that's any excuse to be honest I think no matter what the pitch is if, you're, if you've been in the Premier League you're playing in the Championship you should be able to beat people who are non-league and yeah, it's just a terrible performance, I thought. Well, definitely, Johnny. Yeah, same question to you. I mean, feel free to tell us your thoughts on the highlights if you saw them. What what you thought of them, and and what you think it means for the rest of the season, if anything. Yeah, I just watched them earlier. I mean, I think the pitch. I don't want to defend them too much, but it looked like the pitch had a massive part to play. Um, but then you look at his team selection. You got players like Wellington playing, and what what's he going to do on a pitch like that? He cuts up. He can't run with the ball let alone run normally and he's I mean I just don't understand we should have we should have been playing the ball up to Medine as much as possible keeping the ball off the deck mm. um, it just looked like a major major struggle from the highlights we looked so out of our depth and it was it would have been a bit of a reality check for some of the players that they're what they're graced with week in week out in terms of pitches and facilities is is not the norm most definitely. Um, Liam, Lenny, your mate came out and said he thought the pitch was a leveller. Um, I think the fact that the two teams are full of shit footballers is more of a leveller, if you ask me. But but where, where do you stand on that? Do you think he's right to say that about the pitch? I think it's fair, to be honest. It, the, the pitch was awful. And look, you know, it's easy to say here that, you know, these Premier League or Championship players should be able to, to compete on, on any pitch. But that's just nonsense, really, because... Every single pitch that they're normally playing on is absolutely pristine. So, for it to go and play on a pitch like that, which, if I'm being honest, it looked as though they couldn't go at full speed without the fear of slipping. 
it looked dangerous as far as I was concerned. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was a leveler, and even more of a leveler, really. I think it played into their hands. I think level doesn't understand the bias that that pitch created towards Eastley. Now, this was a very, very tricky game for us. Obviously, off the pitch, things are, are terrible. Away from home, you know, what, it's one win all of 2015, wasn't it? Or something silly. 200, so, 279 days since our last away win, I believe I read somewhere. Yeah, so this was a very, very tricky game and everything was there for us to lose this game. So I was very pleased that we didn't, to be honest. I think I'm one of the few people that was quite pleased about this game turned out for us. Hmm, interesting. Well, that brings us on to the next point, which I'll come back to you on this one, uh, Johnny, first of all. Uh, our captain, Dan Prattley and Neil Downs, both came out and said they were quite pleased with the result. Uh, are you pleased with the result in, in any shape or form? No. No, the only... I've just been on uh, just been on Five Live. I say just. It was about... What time is it now? It was about two hours ago. Um, but I was on Five Live today talking to Piers Morgan and Ian Wright on 606 and... All right, mate. We get it. You've got famous friends. Here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was I was talking to them, and I'm, I'd, I'd done if I mentioned we were going to go out for lunch. Um, you're all invited. <laughs> no, I'm just. Uh, yeah, but I said the, the only for me the only positive out of that game is that the replay is likely to be televised because yeah. Eastley are the only non-league side left in the FA Cup, and that you, for you me think is, so, wouldn't you? It, that is the only positive out of the game. We should we should be. I mean, when we got the draw, I thought, oh. There could be a bit of an upset here, and there could be a giant kill, and Eastley will go on a run and get knocked out in the fifth round. But I didn't actually expect us to go there and draw one all. Like, yeah, the pitch was shit, but we should we should be steamrolling teams like that. And we, the worst thing is, we played what is almost our first team. Mm. It's pathetic. Yeah, I thought that was the most worrying thing of all. I mean, we could all point to the fact that we could have tried to to give a couple of the kids a game, especially in light of the fact that. These kids may well form a fairly significant part of the of the first team over the coming months and years. Who knows? Um, but Rob, do you think that Lenny missed a trick not giving a few of the kids, you know, Jamie Thomas, Quade Taylor, people like that, giving them a bit more of a go? I don't know. I think. <coughs> do you think it, le- it leads to us perhaps uh, being onto a bit of a hiding for nothing? And in that case, if it all goes down, downhill. definitely. Yeah, I mean. It could have gone either way, couldn't it? Like you could have thrown him in, and like Thomas could have scored a goal within ten minutes, and then we're, in, we're laughing, aren't we? Like, oh, we've we've unearthed the news at Clough. But um, it could have gone the other way, where he could have got absolutely steamrolled by them, and they got, they got no first team experience. So I think it might have been harsh to throw him in. Um, someone like Kane Woolery, I was disappointed he didn't come on maybe twenty minutes earlier um, when we were looking really we were really struggling, and we need something different. I think having them on the bench would have been a better option rather than having people like Sean Ramiobi, who came on and did absolutely nothing, and Stephen Dobby. Uh, we've, we've proven time and time again that he, he can't come on and do anything. So, Fuck Dobby. What no, is the no, point of him being on the bench? Like, no, why it's is, a waste of time, isn't it? Why is he allowed it's, it's a waste of space, it's a waste yeah. of money, it's a waste of time. He needs to hang up his boots and go and get a normal job. <laughs> exactly. First thing, we should be doing is, first thing that Birch guy should be doing is going in, getting rid of anyone like Mido and Dobby, who... We're paying for no reason whatsoever. They should be gone. Like, why are they at our club? That's the trouble. We we, we can't just get rid of them no, as much as no. we might like. We might like to do, and that's and that's yeah. the quandary. We'll, we'll talk about transfers later on. Um, I mean, it's a bit slim pickings in terms of praising players. I think after that one, but how, how much blame? And I'll come to you first, Mister Liam. How much blame do you think should be put on the manager, and how much blame do you think should be put on the players for the fact that we, at the end of the day, we failed to beat a team who rank what? 50 or 60 places below us, is it more than that? Yeah, well, it will be. First, I'll come on to a point that you said there that you were just discussing in regards to <coughs> kids in. 
as far as I'm concerned, there's more kids in our team now than there has been in years. Mm. All I'm reading at the moment is put kids in, put kids in, put kids in, but Lennon has been doing from the off, really. So, you know, it, I mean, are we just going to do it recklessly? Just any any youth player that's played two or three good games in the under-21s league, which is absolutely no comparison to playing easily no. away in the no. F Cup third round. You know, it's, it, 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 it grinds me a little bit because he is doing he has been doing from the off. It's completely nonsense that, that this isn't something that's been going on. When was the last time we had three academy graduates in the starting lineup? You know, we've consistently played Rob Holding, Josh Feller, and Zach Clough. I can't remember the last time we had three in there. No. So he has been doing really. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of whose fault this is, it's I think the players, it has to be the players. You know, I mean, I was watching the game and the amount of times where we were picking up the ball in decent positions and there was just fear there. They were looking up and they were seeing an Eastley right back and Wellington's running inside. He's not going to take him on. And I was, it must be infuriating for Lennon because what else can mm-hmm. he do? You know, he can't drop these players because who's he going to put in instead? It's just it's just infuriating to watch. So I 100% blame the players. Johnny, any advances on that? No, I, I do I do agree. I mean, I'm, I'm a big supporter of, of keeping managers and keeping faith. Um, look at what's happened at United with Ferguson. He didn't do he didn't do great at the start of his career, and then he's gone on to do amazing things. I'm not comparing us, but we need to stick with Lennon, I think. And and there's only so much blame we can put on him. He, he's he's accepted that he's been at fault for some results this year, but then if we go, we look at other games. Games and we think, well, there's players missing chances and there's only so much he can do. He can't get on the pitch mm. and kick the ball for them. I think they they really do need to just take responsibility and it comes down to the senior players. Like, practically scored yesterday, but by all accounts, he didn't have his best game. Although he, I've heard he, he was a bit of a captain's performance and he was the best of a bad bunch. But I'm not, I'm not asked about the FA Cup third round against CC. I'm asked about Sheffield Wednesday at home and, and Huddersfield at home and games where he should be he should really be leading from the front, leading by yeah. example, not not lagging behind in midfield. Rob, where do you stand on that one? Do you think, yeah. think Johnny's right about Prattley? Yeah, he's definitely right about Prattley. Um, I agree with both the guys, actually, about the players being 100% to blame. I mean, there's only so much Lennon can do, and there's no one else who's going to come in. I think I've said it about a thousand times on the podcast, that no one else is going to come in and be able to turn this club around, because... I mean, he's had to play Liam Feeney in every match this year, and he's inconsistent, crap at best. Um, but he still he got another assist yesterday. So, I mean, just having to play the same people again and again. So, the players the players have to stand up and um, be well fight, don't they? Really, and they obviously didn't yeah. do that, didn't do that yesterday. So, this, Rob, you're spot on. It's not you can't drop them. No, he <laughs> can't, can't drop them. There's no one to put in. There's no one. We've got Dobby and Amiobi on the bench, so literally there's I mean, no one else. Arguably, arguably, there's a bit of room, sort of wriggle room for changes in the midfield with yeah. the likes of Spearing and Dan sitting on the bench. And that's why I wrong. personally believe that Prattley needs a rest. But in other areas of the pitch, like Feeney, exactly, if Feeney gets dropped, then we, we just have to play narrow. We have yeah. to play a narrow formation because we've got zero width. No, it's true. He's, he's damned if he doesn't, damned if he doesn't, because obviously we've not got the funds to bring in better players, and then we're we're concerned that he's not getting particularly great tunes out of these better these poorer players. So it's a bit of a catch twenty two situation, isn't it? I mean, we'd all like to see him with a few quid to spend to see what he could do. Obviously, he's not going to get that 
um, we can we can probably all agree. Um, right, okay. Well, just to finish off talking about Eastley, um, obviously the replay is going to be coming up next week. I believe it is not this week coming, but the week after. Um, thoughts on that, Rob? First of all, can we cause a bit of an, an FA Cup shock and actually win a game? <laughs> if we can't beat Eastley at home, then we might as well give up and just not even play for well, the rest of the season. They, they played we us off the that. They played us off the park on an absolute yeah. bottom of a pitch. Imagine what it's going to be like on that lovely lovely Reebok. Uh, yeah. Manicured surface. I read we said that about with, um, Burton Albion. Yeah, true. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> true, yeah. There's an article I think Mark Isles wrote today um, with an interview with um, their right back, is it Pennington or Partington? He was saying they're going to play us off the park and beat us at the Macron. So they're obviously confident. Um, but I think we will win. If we've got any players left, I think we'll win. Johnny? Um. Yeah, I think, well, you'd expect us to win. We'll be, we should be firm favourites. They'll bring a good following and we'll probably do what we do when we play anybody outside of the Championship and shut all the top tiers and just have one or two tiers open for home fans because I can't see many people going, particularly if it's on telly. Um, I think for, for Lemney, it's going to be an unwelcome fixture. It's going to disrupt the preparation for the, in between the Championship games because I'm presuming it's going to be between the Forest game and the who have we got at home next? MK Don. I think it's MK Don's in about two weeks. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's Forest on Saturday, and then MK Don's the Saturday after. I think it'll yeah, be that right. week there. So it's just disruptive for me, and I just I, our minds are on other things, and that that's going to play into Eastley's hands. And you know what? If you come and get a win, fair play to them. I hope they do. I hope they do well, and I hope they get a bit of a cut run going. Will you be bothering going to the replay? I think I'll go, yeah, just because tickets will be relatively cheap and if we win, we win. At least I can say I've seen us win a game in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Every cloud's got a silver lining. Liam, um, on, the, on the replay, are we going to win? I can't see why not, to be honest. I think it's a completely different game. I've, you know, I mean, every game has risks, doesn't it? But I'd be very surprised if we didn't. Because it looked, and I agreed with Lennon in what he said, in that by the time it came to the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, our fitness did seem to, to shine through. And I think on a bigger pitch or we can perhaps keep the ball a little bit better I think after 50-60 minutes we'll probably see the legs off the Eastley team and probably when it's 2 or 3 now. Okay fair enough so we've got full confidence there that we're going to go on and, and win the cup uh, Right superb lads let's have a little break we'll come back and talk about transfer rumours this is, may well be the longest segment of all seeing as we've got fucking loads of players leaving so everyone let's stay where you are we're back in two sets Welcome back to the third segment of tonight's Love Pod 42. Um, we're going to talk about this week's transfer rumours, in, 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 well, maybe in brief. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, Mark Davies, first of all, is off to Sheffield Wednesday for three quarters of a million quid. Oof, it's a hard one, this one, for me. I've seen Mark Davies grow from a, an inconsistent injury pro on midfield. We know end product to... Um, um, yeah, I'm only joking. Uh, 750000 Rob. Um, his wages for the year, probably about the same amount. So we're wiping a fair, you know, a decent, a decent saving off. But what sort of player are you losing, and will you miss him? Um, I think Davis is a difficult one. He's a player who, when we signed him, had a lot of promise, and it was a really top player. I thought um, we've missed a lot through injury, and he's flattered to deceive quite a lot, and he's played out of position this year. So, in a way, I'm sad that he's going because he is one of the players that <laughs> could keep us up. Um, yeah. But the other, the other end of the stick, like seven hundred fifty thousand for him, I think is quite a lot of money, um, and especially looking at his wages too. Um, so I think it's probably a decent deal, to be honest. Um, 
And he's not irreplaceable, is he? No, he's certainly not. Unlike a certain Zach Clough, who was linked with a move to Bristol City, Rob, for anywhere between three and three and a half mil, which, again, seems like a low fee, but when you sort of consider the fact that he seems, you know, he's moderately injury-prone, he's, he's arguably he's in poor form, and he's only played 20 games for the club, I mean, that represents a decent deal as far as I'm concerned. Would you agree? Um, to an extent, yes. I mean, if you look at the facts, he's, last year he scored, what, 10 goals, top scorer, top goal scorer last year. Um... He's not really done a lot this year. He's got twice in a match of the week. Um, but he's not. He's kind of gone in and out of matches and he's not really had a position in the team. Um, but I don't want to lose our best our best player, basically. Our best prospect we've had in about 10 years. Um, very, very, very true. Johnny, same questions to you, Mark Davies and Zach Clough, at the, most, at the closest to the exit door. What are your thoughts on both? Um, Mark Davies, there's absolutely no point having him if we're going to play him out of position. And if he can't play in the centre midfield or he can't play as number 10 or we just can't find room for him in Neil Lennon's team in a position that he's he's flourished in in the Premier League for us, I say flourished, done okay, then what's the point in having him? I'd rather get that money off the wage bill, get rid of him. He's absolutely not irreplaceable and I think he's... I can't remember the last time he had a very, very, very good game for us. I can't believe... I can't remember the last time he put in a man-of-the-match performance. So for me, yeah, we'll get get rid of him, um, and get that money off the wage bill, and at least try and get close to a million quid. Um, and then Zach Clough, personally, I don't think he's been that good this season. He was good last season when he came into the team, got injured, uh, and then approached games with a bit of trepidation as you would, because it was quite a bad injury for a young lad. Um, I think if we can get that for him, if Bristol City. Are, willing to pay that and he's willing to move then they're mad to splash that cash considering where they are in the league they're not like a derby or something like that Where they, first of all where they're getting the money from and why they can afford to spend that much when they could go down yeah, uh, is beyond me but I'm happy to take that money for him I feel a bit sorry for him because as far as I'm aware he still lives at home doesn't he? He's, he's living close to his parents so it's a big move for a young lad but good luck to him if he goes I'd, I'd take that three and a half million for him any day Ditto. Liam, where do you stand on the debate? I think they're both fair prices, to be honest. I can't I can't really fault them. I, I always had a sort of a comfort that I thought the market would dictate what these players are worth because yeah. our position is these two players were always going to attract interest. So I always thought that we would get what I thought would be maybe just an exact market value, perhaps. You know, if, if we didn't need to sell, maybe we'd get a couple million more for Clough, perhaps. But I think... We've got to look at this pragmatic, you know, our assets are on the line. So, for me, selling players is a no-brainer and I don't necessarily feel the emotional detachment to these players that maybe others have. And, but I understand that, you know, so, particularly with Clough with being, you know, such an academy prospect. But for me, it's an absolute no-brainer. Agreeing. I think my own personal point of view is Matt Davies, that maybe it's his time, maybe it's time to... Uh... Time to cash in, given the fact that we couldn't be guaranteed that he'd be he'd be fully fitted every single week to, to justify those £16,000 a week wages. But knowing our luck, he'll go on to play 150 games for Wednesday on the spin, be absolutely fine, and, and lead them to the Premier League, being the class player that we know he is. Clough, Clough is a bit different. Obviously, we're all emotionally attached to Clough because we've not had a youth product like him come through for a long time. But at the same time, in, in modern parlance, he's only been around for five minutes, and so can you really uh, can you really miss that, that you've only loved for a short time? I'm not sure. It'd be a shame to see him go without him actually being the top player that we know he can be at Bolton. But 
in this day and age, that's never going to happen. No one's ever going to reach the peak or anywhere approaching the peak while they're at a club like Bolton. It's just not going to happen. I think the fee is, well, I think it's as good as we're going to get. I know they're hoping to try and strike a bit of a bidding war. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and whether the lad even accepts the move or not is another matter. I think he could probably do better than Bristol City. Um, but when it comes down to the, the the future of the club, should he really be encouraged to uh, to go by the club, which sounds a bit backwards in itself, but I think we need to look at the long term rather than the short term. And I think the long term, unfortunately, doesn't have Zach Clough in it. Um, one more player that's been linked with an exit in the papers this morning, linked with, I think it was QPR in Ipswich, uh, was Darren Prattley. Um, which was surprising from my point of view. I didn't think he would be inspiring much by way of interest. But same question to the three of you. Liam, come to you first. Do you think there's we'd miss Prattley and do you think that he uh, again he'd be a high earner? What with him being captain and all? Well, you know, there's a good chance that maybe one or two QPR fans might listen to this. So, you know, please He's don't take isn't he? yeah, He's don't brilliant, isn't he? anyone but Prattley. Jesus no. no. Um, <laughs> The guy's been out of form for two years, I'd say. Yeah. You know, and I think I think he's proven to be quite a poor choice as captain. Um, I had a feeling in the summer, and I might have put it in one of my pieces, that I felt he was offered the captaincy to stay. Yeah. And I think it's as simple as that. And I think that's probably the biggest mistake Lennon's made. If, of course, he did do that, he's made whilst he's at Bottom Wanderers. Because I think it's a terrible year for Darren Prattley. And I think... A move might be good for both parties. I think there's still a player in there, in the right frame of mind. You know, someone who can really get all over the pitch and turn defence into attack quite quickly. And if he did, when he did become that player again, then I think it'd be good for both parties. I think Nolan's was Nolan's move was quite similar in that respect. Yeah, there comes a time, doesn't there, where it's, it's time to part. Um, Johnny, Prattley or Vela? I mean, Vela linked with Cardiff as well. Prattley with his move, uh, supposedly coming up today as well. Um, do you think we'd miss both players? Would you prefer to see one or the other go, or, or do you not mind either way? We've got to keep Vela. I think he's a low earner, quality player, in my opinion. Uh, he's, but I think he's played some of his best football at the club in the last few weeks in centre midfield. Um, he's much better when he's not being wasted out of right back. I think we've, we've just got to keep hold of him. I don't know how long his contract is. Um, Zach Clough, the fee that we're looking at getting we can command that sort of fee because he's yeah. tied down till 2019. I'm not sure whether Vela signed a new deal. Same with Max Clayton, um, whether they sort of did them all, all together at once. But I think, yeah, we've got to keep up with him. Man. I, I, I'm a big fan of Darren Prattley because I like players that work hard and he does he does run his bollocks off every single game and that might not be... It might not have sort of the the most effect in the world. He's, he's not a game-changing player, but he works hard and he's got a really good engine on him. But I think, yeah, maybe there does come a time when is he is he, is he a captain? Do we get rid of him? I, I, I personally, I'd like to see Weeter as captain because I I think he's more of a leader. And if we can get any sort of fee for Prattley, which you would think him being the club captain, we could get um, a fair bit for him. Then yeah, let's, let's let's sell him on. Unfortunately, that's the way I feel about it. Definitely, Rob. Uh, to bring this little segment to a close, are there any other players in the team you think we should be looking at shifting on, barring the obvious? If we can maybe restrict it to first teamers, so we can try and be realistic. Um, Jay Spearing, like, mm. he's not playing. I was going to say this. I was going to say the same. I, I have no idea how much he's earning, but it's not going to be a small amount, is it? Judging no. by Instagram, um, yeah, I'd try and get rid of Spearing if we can. Um, Gary Medine, <laughs> uh, no. Um, 
I just worry about who we who we actually play. If we get rid of Prattley, Vela, Davis, Spearing, we have no players left in midfield, do we? So I know they want to make money, but I just worry about what we're actually going to be able to do on the pitch. Mm, I think that, to be honest, that's probably going to be the uh, the least of our concerns. Yeah. The way that how competitive the team is going to be, I think we should look at uh, look at just making sure we've got a team to put out in a white shirt every week at all. Never mind anything else. But fair enough, lads, fair enough. Fair, right, we'll take another little short break. We'll come back and after that we'll talk about the, the latest on the takeover before we go on about the previews of the upcoming two games and then we'll knock it on the head. So bear with us, we'll be right back. Okie dokie, welcome back to Line of Vienna Sweet Podcast. Not sure which Bolt Mundra's player to wish you happy birthday to today, but instead we'll talk about takeovers. Um, you may have noticed on the website the other day we had some information passed to us regarding the rival takeover to that of Dean Holdsworth, um, and it was from a consortium with perhaps, well, less than favourable intentions, shall we say, if the information we received is correct. Obviously, we've repeated it. We checked it as best we possibly could, so we, we all got our personal opinions on it, so we'll, we'll come into that in a sec. In summation, the news was that the rival consortium to that of Dean Holdsworth um, in his Sports Shield group was with a member of the, cons- the, the the consortium itself, Mr. Disley, Jonathan Disley, who was photographed at the Reebok with Dean a few weeks ago, uh, has split off and formed his own group. Now, the the intention of that group is believed to be making money. It's asset stripping. It's not an investment uh, net investment group. Um, it's about taking over the club and it's about maximising the returns it can possibly get. So I guess it's not a million miles away from Dino's intentions, but maybe with a more aggressive um, sale strategy than we might expect from Holdsworth. Um, lads, uh, Johnny, I'll come to you first on that particular one. Looks like we're selling the family jewels to, to keep the lights on. The offices at the Macron leaving for, supposedly being sold for £4 million. The training ground possibly being sold to Wigan. It's got to be done, hasn't it? That in conjunction with on-the-field sales. Yeah, it has, but the, I mean, there's there's that, and then there's asset stripping. They're, they're they're different, aren't they? What we're what we're talking about here, like selling the hotel and sorry, the offices and well, everything that we can really is is not necessarily asset stripping. I think selling the training ground is something that's been spoken about. That's fair enough. In my opinion, I've got no idea why we train at Exton because it's nowhere near the ground. No, like we've got great facilities at the new academy, although it needs to be made. A touch bigger to accommodate the first team. They should all be in and around each other at Lostock. It's a stone's throw away from the stadium. It's modern, it's state of the art. The one at Exton is just a big open space with a big wall around it, really. If you've ever been up there, it's not not amazing. Um, I think, I don't know, I mean, the credibility of, of that bid and sort of the background of uh, Disley and stuff, it's, it's a little bit dodgy, but everyone's got a past in some way, haven't they? I mean, his is a little bit checkered more than most, but. I don't know. It's it's tough to call because he he's from Bolton and maybe he does have the the best interest of the club. It's, it's tough to say. Fair dude, Liam. Where do you stand on the whole thing? Liam, are you there, mate? Of course. Sorry. Um... No problem. Where do you stand on on the on the uh, the Disley takeover? Do you think there's an there's an angle there that's understandable? Do you think there's a reason why it might be tempting to the club to go with that? Perhaps over Dino's. Um, slightly more softly, softly approach? Well, obviously, you know, the, there's an element of asset stripping going on already. Granted, it seems to be a little bit on our terms and, you know, um, stuff like, we've, as we've mentioned, the training ground. Th- these are things that aren't the end of the world if we lose them. I think the one that we're all concerned about is the stadium. That's when you start 
and into really murky waters. I mean, obviously, the more assets that we have, the more valuable that we are, and the more our long-term future is. <coughs> I am never, ever one to favour a short-term approach. I'm, I'm very pragmatic in my way of thinking. It's pretty much the reason why I'm not concerned about us selling any players. I, for me, we could have a team of full academy lads out there to the NEA, seen out the season and start again next year, providing the long-term future's there. So, for me, anything that suggests that we're going to sell the key assets, for example, not having one training ground or trying to sell your stadium, I mean, who would want to buy a stadium other than a council? But these sorts of things are what we need to make sure we 100% stay away from. Definitely, Rob. I mean, I, I, I think we're all of a similar similar opinion here, aren't we? That it's one thing selling the players off; it's one thing selling the the assets off because that's something you can't recover from particularly easily. But do you think that they, do you think that they haven't got a choice? Um, and do you think that the, the the bidders are going to want to come into something that's as, as cash rich as possible in order to then maybe do a little bit of investment into the team before they can take the opposite approach and, and look at maximising what we've got left? Um, it's a complicated situation. But, but what way do you think they're going to end up going? It is quite complicated, yeah. I mean, the biggest problem we have at the moment is the fact that this HMRC meeting on the 18th, um, they need to have the money that they owe for the tax bills. I think it's like, what, three or four million, is it, maybe? Um, That they owe. They have to pay that by the 18th. That's the um, short-term goal. Um, And then after that, it's just a case of getting through the season. We need, like, 20 million, I think it is, to get through the season now. So I think any way they can get money, they will. Um, but then obviously the big problem is whether they go to administration and then I have no idea what would happen then. But um, it's worrying. And I think the fact that all these negotiations for the club and new, new um, ownership are taking so long is that we don't really know where the money's coming from. And until they tell us whether they do have money and where it's coming from, then it's pretty difficult to comment about it, isn't it? No, it really is. I mean, all we can do is just hope that whatever decision is made is made with the club's best interest at heart. Obviously, we've got we've heard things, we've all read things. What is true and what isn't true, we don't honestly know. Um, but we do our best trying to trying to make sense of it all. It's hard, isn't it? Because we like football in the day. We're not accountants. We're not you know into into finance. Blah blah blah. And, and the modern game is so much involved with what happens behind the scenes and what happens in the offices and so on like that. It's a shame, isn't it? That that's the focus. That as bad as we are on the pitch, we're no better off. Um, but hopefully that the revolution that comes with the on uh, the off-field changes will, will impact on the field as well. We can hopefully look for a bit of a brighter future. Now, um, with Holdsworth involved, obviously there are rumours about ex-players, ex-Wanderers players, ex-Wanderers managers being involved back again. Um, we'd obviously, all, I'm sure we'd all welcome them. But do you think, Liam, uh, coming to you on this particular one before we wrap up this segment, do you think there's something to be said in, in the approach of taking someone like Holdsworth on what with the connection he had with the fans? I mean, obviously, we're not saying he's any kind of club legend or anything like that, but the, the positive PR of his group um, overshadows that of the other one quite considerably. And do you think there's something to be said for that as far as the fans go? Yeah, 100%. Every single movement does have a face, and it often has to be a recognisable, relatable face. Mm. Um, a lot of people have good, positive associations and memories in regards to Dean Oldsworth. It, it has to really be like that. It it makes it easier for them in gathering support from the fans. A lot of people were excited about the news when it broke about Dean Oldsworth. That may not necessarily happened if they didn't have that kind of positive influence over it. It There is countless examples of it in both football and in real life in terms of having someone fronting a movement. So, yeah, of course it does. It means means worlds, really, for them. 
I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens over the course of the next week. So obviously we've got the winding up order due on the 18th of, of this month, uh, which is a week tomorrow. So we'll see what happens on that, and obviously we'll talk about it on the pod. We'll read it on the website, and we'll see what's what from there. Okay, so we'll take a short break again. Uh, we'll come back for the final segment where we'll talk about the upcoming games against Wednesday and Forest. So stay where you are. We won't be like two seconds. Okay, we're still here. I'm still Chris. He's still Rob. He's still Johnny, and he's still Liam. Uh, the final, fifth, and final segment. We're going to talk about the upcoming games against Wednesday and against Forest. Uh, Wednesday on a Tuesday. Fantastic. I can't wait for all the tweets about that uh, in the next couple of days. Um, Mark Davies may well be lining up in midfield alongside Barry Bannon. Um, Johnny, who, who would you prefer in your team, Bannon or Davies? Bannon. I think he uh, he's a better player, in my opinion. Um, he's He's been to a Premier League club. Yeah. He's, he's done it at a decent level, represented his country. He might have even captained his country. He's just his CV speaks volumes over Mark Davis's for me, and I, I, I personally, Mark Davis because he can't stay fit, that is always going to be his, his major, major downfall. He, he can't stay fit. Uh, he's not going to get the games in, and I personally, I think he's going to sit on the bench if he goes to Sheffield Wednesday because they're they're doing all right at the moment. Um, I can't Fair see him. Liam, Liam, what do you think, mate? I think they're both very good players, and it make they make a very good technical. Midfield, obviously, you need someone a bit more commanding in there to protect them, really, because they can be both be quite sort of flimsy in possession. But I think earlier too, I always preferred Bannon. I fancied Barry Bannon for years as a player. You know, he's he's got a great left foot. He moves. He can see things well before they happen. And he's been a top player every club that he has. The only issue with Bannon is his attitude, whereas with Davis, it's the injuries. They'd both be Premier League players if it weren't for them two weaknesses. No, fair enough. It's an interesting debate, isn't it? They've both got they both got the plus points. Bannon, we only saw for a short saw for a short time. I liked his consistency and I liked what he could do. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have minded us making him a more permanent signing, but it wasn't to be. Um, him and Mark Davies then potentially Wednesday were good at home, aren't they? They were unbeaten, I think, in eleven games. I saw him beat Arsenal in the cup as well, convincingly earlier on this season. Rob, do you think we stand a chance and, and do you want to give us a score prediction? I think we have no chance. I think we'll lose 3-0. Yeah. Fair news, Johnny? Yeah, second that. I think it could be a, think it could be a serious chance and I'm going to go 4-0. <laughs> Christ, Liam, are you going to go all the way to 5? Yeah, fuck it, why not 5 now? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd just fallen off your chair then. I know, fair. <laughs> Maybe if I'd have suggested that we'd have got a point, then perhaps you would have been, uh, would have been justified. <laughs> nah, I can't see us getting anything here, lads. I think we'll go, we'll, we'll go with three. We'll go with three and we'll go, we'll score. Uh, Dorian DeVee, overhead kick from the halfway line. Let's see what happens there. So, yeah, the, the winless run away from home continues. Um, much like Dan's search for an entertaining Manchester United home game, Wanderers will, will continue to struggle. It won't be much, uh, much by way of fun to watch. But then that comes Forest away the Saturday after, obviously before the next podcast. Um, Forest away, so yet again we're going welcoming. Uh, we'll be visiting our old mate Dougie. Um, he sent Liam Trotter back, so there'll be one player that can't shine in their midfield. Four um, one it was last time, I believe. Uh, stealing from Alistair's post earlier on. Four one we lost against uh, against Forest. What about um, Dougie? What about Forest away, Johnny? First come to you. Um, I mean they're they're not setting the world alight, but they're not doing shit. They're just a distinctly average Championship team. Uh, who most of the fans will blame it on transfer embargo. I think they're going to beat us. 
just because it's Freeman and I really don't see us winning many more games this season now until things get sorted off the pitch. So I'm going to say that we are going to lose 2-0. Okay. That's, that's all I have to say on that. Fair enough. <laughs> Liam, same one to you. Hard to disagree with that, really. We're not, I don't, I'd be surprised if we won an away game all season. So... Yeah, it's always nice to see Dougie, obviously. You know, we'll see Oh, yeah. Is. Can't wait. <laughs> I can't see us getting anything, to be honest. We've got bigger problems than Dougie Friedman these days, haven't we, you know? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, fair enough. I think I, I can see us taking uh, taking absolutely nothing from that game. Absolutely nothing from that game. 3-1 uh, to Forrest. Rob, uh, any, any advancements on that before we close for tonight? Well, it's a big game against an ex-manager, so if we had players who are really, like, determined to go and win then we probably go and beat them but we don't so probably going to lose like 3-0 I think again yeah can't see us getting anything at Forest. it's a shambles isn't it I mean we, we could have any connotation any um, any different sort of formation anything you want to do um, but really is it going to make that much difference when the morale is that low morale is that poor and form is even poorer I'm really not sure it is but lads, it's been thoroughly depressing talking to the last hour. I'm very grateful for all your time. Uh, Rob, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Robbie Laz. John? Johnny? John? Johnny? Whatever you know. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, people can find me on Twitter at Johnny Eckersley. No H. No H. No H. Don't just relate. Liam? Probably just trolling for all your Instagram accounts and, you know... Accidentally favouring things at two in the morning, but apart from that, it's at Liam underscore O'Meara. Fantastic. Well, I've been at ninety Manning eighty three. Apologies for the coughing. I've been trying to shift it for a month, but it's not going anywhere. I'm going to go and have a glass of Lucas Aid before bed. Uh, we'll see you all next week for Love Pod forty three, where we'll discuss our six nil away loss to Sheffield Wednesday, um, where we were forced to play Ross Fitzsimmons in goal because we sold everybody else, uh, and then our four one away victory against Nottingham Forest Alex Samazadi scoring every single one off his ass. so thank you for listening give us a download give us a like uh, we're at Line of Vienna STE we still don't know who steers we'll try and find out for next week thank you for listening and we'll see you soon bye